Welcome back in listeners to another incredible episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. I am so excited about this episode today because I'm going to get to share with you an incredible book that I recently got to read and we have the author with us today and it this is all just going to blow your mind. Joining us today we have the author of the new book Crossbow Creek, Andrew Pinion. And this is a series of books, and the first one, book one, is called Dead Bridesmaids, and it's available on Amazon.com right now. And when I tell you this book is amazing, I am not overselling it. I I am telling you that you will not be able to put this book down. So to tell us more about this incredible book, let's go ahead and bring on our guest, Andrew. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. I even have the book right here in my hand. That's how much I cannot (laughs) put this book down. Oh, very cool. This book, Crossbow Creek, book one, Dead Bridesmaids. I was freaking people out on the subway because I was having so many like audible gas and shouts. (laughs) It was was so good. It did not go anywhere where I thought it was going to go. All these characters were written to be so real and relatable. And I mean, it, if I, I mean, we're going to get into more of the, what's coming with this show, but I mean, it is more than a book in my opinion. And that's why I love what's coming with it, but it's, it's Mm -hmm. such a great story. You have written a masterpiece in this and it's only book one. That's the best part. It's only book one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm happy that anyone likes it. So thank you. Oh my gosh, yeah. No, this has got to become like a Christmas gift from us because it's so good, you know. So why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about Crossbow Creek. Okay, let's see. Crossbow Creek, it's a, let's see, it's a suspense thriller that follows a group of frenemies who are celebrating a bachelorette party in a private Airbnb when they discover that there are hidden cameras in the house and a crossbow-wielding maniac outside the door. So that is the, (laughs) that's the original plug for that. But it evolves around the main character, Yvonne, who is a single mother. She dropped out of college and kind of abandoned her dreams to raise her kid. Her child has special needs and she kind of gave away the life that she wanted to have. And her best friend, Rose, is now getting married. So Rose is having a bachelorette party. And she offered the role of the maid of honor to Yvonne, but Yvonne declined it because she's kind of living paycheck to paycheck and wants Rose to be spoiled. And so they end up going, Yvonne goes reluctantly on this excursion with Rose's new friends who are all kind of a little elitist and and snobby and, and over sexed (laughs) they're very like you know promiscuous and but she's still best friends with rose and she ends up bonding with one of the other misfit bridesmaids named alicia who is kind of this leather clad introvert quiet scary (laughs) girl and they end up forming an alliance against amelia and her two friends tina and kaylee who are kind of her little disciples and so they end up kind of butting heads at the party and kind of you know amelia says black and yvonne says white and so it's just they they end up butting heads and their little social drama with each other kind of takes a back seat when they discover hidden cameras in the house so yeah that's basically where to start off with that yeah goes from there yes and 
the the drama that ensues is incredible. It is incredible. And you have written brilliant characters that you love and you hate and you love to hate as well. I mean, that I was, I, I wish, I truly wish you could have seen my face as I read this because now that we don't wear masks, I mean, I was just, oh. yeah. I mean, oh, I looked, okay. yeah, I, I looked like one of those people you don't want to talk to on the train because I was, I, <laughs> I was in my own little world with this. This took me away and it was amazing. And I could see the little town of Crossbow Creek, you know, and the little air, the cute little Airbnb that they went to. I was like, yep, I can see all of this in my mind. It was incredible. That's so wonderful. how did you come up with the idea for this book? It stemmed from just going on a holiday with my wife, my new wife, way back when. And we went to this kind of creepy Airbnb. And I thought, oh, you know, it'd be terrible. Everyone <laughs> 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 hitting cameras everywhere. And she laughed. She was like, oh, yeah, that'd be gross. And then like a week later, we saw this report on like hidden cameras and Airbnbs. And we're like, ah, OK, got to write that. And it kind of evolved from there. I used a lot of elements from just my own life, my wife's life. I think the bridesmaid and wedding, upcoming wedding aspect is something a lot of people can relate to because everyone's been involved in a wedding or I think almost everyone I know has been a bridesmaid or groom or bride or, or, or groomsmen, something like that. And especially bridesmaids. My wife has been a bridesmaid like a hundred times and she had lots of stories. And I thought that would be something interesting to make the heroes uh, or the victims <laughs> bridesmaids going through something like a social gathering, like a, a maid of honor. And, you know, I wanted it to be kind of a, throwback to the classic horrors like texas chainsaw massacre and halloween and, and friday the 13th a little less campy a little more realistic but i wanted it to have that kind of feel of like you know a cautionary tale where people kind of go through stuff and they grow from it and you know it, but it's heightened circumstances of death and and, and despair and, and tragedy and stuff like that so I just ended up writing writing something about bridesmaids and I used elements of like having a child with special needs because I my son has down syndrome and is just like such a wonderful beautiful kid and I was able to relate to her love for her daughter and oh and also I don't recall very many stories where there's a a mama bear that's the hero and I thought I had such respect for my mom and for other people's parents and stuff like that, that I, and, and being a stay at home mom or a single mom, you know, it's just such a heroic thing. And, and I, I don't think they get enough credit, but I wanted to write something kind of an homage to, you know, and also mama bears that are called mama bears for a reason, because you mess with their kid and there's something that comes out of them. And I know that as a parent too, when someone messes with my kid, I'm just like, you know, and I'm normally just like chill and whatever. But I thought, how funny would that be to, to put like Jason against my mom, <laughs> you know, or something like that, where it's like, who would actually win? Well, my mom's pretty tough. And so I wanted to write something along that line. So that's kind of where it came from. I love that. So how long did it take you to, to, you know, from, from start to finish to write this book? 
I think I started writing this. I, it's based on a screenplay. I wrote the screenplay first and that was almost produced twice, but for, you know, different reasons, creative differences. And then the lockdowns happened. So we lost the people that were going to try and finance it. So I wanted to write it. I wanted to write the screenplay, kind of solidified it into a story that would never change would just be a novel and it would always be the story I wanted to tell in case it gets produced as a film and it gets changed and stuff at least I'll have the novel the book itself sitting down it took about six months to get from to get it all on the page but it was like over a three-year process I think of of starting it and going I'm not a prose writer I'm not a novel writer and comparing myself to other people and being like yeah I can't do this and then going back to it and being like all right and then when the lockdowns happened in California I'm like well got lots of time now so I just sat down at the computer and I just hammered it out and wrote it and it was terrible and then I just kept rewriting and rewriting and then sending it to beta readers and stuff and there was always something there that people liked about it even though there was like huge grammatical errors and different things like that that I learned about in words that you shouldn't be you know using stuff as you write novels that kind of drag it on and so I learned a lot I would say about six months of sitting down and writing it and rewriting it over the three-year period very cool so kind of going along with that you'd mentioned you know you were working on a screenplay and then you wanted to make it a novel so that the story stayed the same. What was it like developing this story in this book in general? It was fun. It Most of the development of the actual story came with writing the screenplay. And I have to owe that to the executive producer that was trying to help me produce it, who was a, a close friend of mine. She, she was a little vague in, in her notes but i think that would came from wanting to not stifle me so she would say things like it needs to be punched up and i would be like okay <laughs> I'll, I'll try again and i so i just kept rewriting it and rewriting it and adding things and adding things and that kind of developed over time i, I added different elements originally the idea was just like these people locked in a house and the the person would come over a microphone and make them do things, which I think is a horrible, <laughs> scary novel. That was the original version of it. I wrote as a screenplay, but then it became something else. And I wanted to add the element of like human trafficking and different addictions to, you know, sex and to alcohol and things like that, that I wanted to kind of like add into it. So, yeah. So that was, it was, it was fun to develop that. And then when it came to the book, I had a map of what I wanted to do. And I just kind of followed the map. And then I added a few more things and was able to elaborate on, on different thoughts, which was fun to go into each character, but you had to know each character so well. And I think by the time I was writing it as, as a potential director of the film, I knew the characters. So I was like, Oh, she's probably thinking this right now. And oh, this person's thinking this and this person's thinking this. And you know, so, so that was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I never, imagine that people would read it i was just like i'm gonna do it for me but i had a heart for these characters and their their plight and the themes of the story so that made it easier to write very cool is there a message or a thought you're hoping that readers will take away from this well i want there to be to have there to be more exposure to the epidemic of human trafficking i think that's really important for people to 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 be aware of i've had a few 
close friends that have had brush ins over the internet with what are they called groomers or or people that have trying to get him into you know younger friends people i used to babysit and stuff have had these scary things with with people trying to get get them and my wife when she was a little kid was almost abducted grandpa came out and was like ah! and you know got her away and saved her so there's all these little little elements of of that's it's such an important topic i want people to be more i would love for people to be more aware without without being overly preachy about it and just you know the dangers of of the in, internet can be used for something wonderful or it could be some for something not so wonderful and a lot of people will will do that and you know be aware of your surroundings be aware of of without you know being scared of everything because i don't think you should be scared of everything i think you should believe in yourself and i think the character of yvonne kind of learns that as she goes that just you know you're good who's better than you as my friends used to say <laughs> nobody so yeah but the the elements of of human trafficking and stuff i think would be wonderful if people could be aware of that and yeah. you know hold on to your friends hold on to your faith hold on to your family you know, because they're the ones that are with you throughout your your daily battles. Yes. Yes. And all of that comes through very well. <laughs> so great message there. Thank you. My final question for this first part is, who do you hope have access to this book? I wrote it for moms a lot, <laughs> or people that are thinking of being moms. Um, anyone who, anyone who's felt rejection, anyone who's felt that they're not part of the clique or they're, you know, that they're not that they're less than. I want them to know that there's there's a strength inside of every single person and you just need to tap into that and, you know, don't be afraid. Don't 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 be afraid to confront your fears. Someone said your trying to think of the quote, your fears, oh gosh. I I'll come up with that later. I'll I'll find it later, but it's <laughs> something about your fears being setting your limits. You know, whatever you're afraid of, if you don't face that fear, that's going to be your limit. up for this second part of the interview i want to let our listeners have a chance to get to know you a little bit better okay. uh, as we spoke earlier i mean you're not just an author you're also a published playwright and an actor yourself so mm -hmm. i want to start by asking you what or who inspires you what playwrights composers shows or what have you inspire you or are some of your favorites who inspired me? My friend Nina Soden is an author, the redheaded author, and she inspired me to write a book. She was a lot like me. She was living in Los Angeles and acting. And then she ended up getting married and moving and raising a family. And she wanted to do something creative to keep the creative juices flowing, even though she couldn't be auditioning for films and stuff and, and getting her parts. So she decided to write and she just, you know, followed her heart and wrote. And now she's got like I think 10 or so novels and, you know, two series and stuff like that. So she's, she was very inspirational because she would always say, just do it. You can do it. Why not? I have a lot of friends from UCLA that I see on TV or see their names in the credits as writers and stuff like that. That's always super inspiring to me to see people succeed that I knew. And I'm like, oh, I was their roommate and now they're producing with so-and-so. And it's it's really cool to see that. That inspires me. There's a little hint of jealousy, of course. But <laughs> then it also like, you know, you can either 
dwell in that or you can be like you know what this should make you want to work harder because they can do it so you can do it so just do it as far as writing goes i love the work of joss whedon he's always been one of my favorites with buffy the vampire slayer and firefly and everything so he was so good at just kind of you know manipulating the heart in his writing so i really liked him i liked quentin tarantino of course as a filmmaker even though he's he's kind of does like he's in his own little like world but he's so fascinating to watch and it just proves that no matter who you are you you know any whatever you write is going to be only something that you could write because you're the only you that there is and your heart and the way you see things in the world and the things that have happened to you are going to inspire that so every every person i think has an author in them so it inspires me to see people writing just in general so yeah i love that love that answer now you are based in southern california so i'm looking forward to hearing the answer to this next question which is have you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners Mm -hmm. i absolutely have there is a wonderful little gem in fullerton called the maverick theater It is Fullerton, and they do such remarkable work. They do a lot of staples every year on the second half of the season that are, they're just, they're so much fun. They they just finished a play right now that was in their more serious award-winning side called The Killer Angels. And it's based on the novel, and I should have looked up the author, but I forgot, but it's based on a novel about the Civil War and Brother versus Brother, and it was so beautifully staged and acted like it's an all-male cast and they're just so good it was i described it as watching like the dream team at the olympics because i've seen all these actors separately in different shows throughout the years and stuff but just to see them all on one stage with like just one heartbeat for this story that was so beautiful and tragic and 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 amazing and terrifying too to think of what people went through during the civil war and the the battles and everything it was such a wonderful show and they're actually going to be doing that in gettysburg i believe next year but they are their next show to give you a little idea is king kong they're doing a stage version of king kong where they utilize some video elements and stuff like that to create the staging with the screen and stuff and to you know maximize king kong and it's it's such a thrill to watch because it's it's live it's like live video at the same time kind of like with green screen and and stuff to help manipulate kong but it's so much fun and every year they do the night of the living dead in for their horror october halloween time so that's really fun and then they do santa claus versus the martians a stage version of that every christmas so it's really fun it's a great theater brian newell runs it and he's been doing it for just decades and he's so creative he loves taking things from film and putting them on stage and just he's such a great storyteller and a a wonderful writer and just a good friend too sounds amazing that that sounds like an incredible theater that's just like we're not going to do the traditional thing we're going to do our own thing yeah but what is your favorite part about working in the theater the family the camaraderie of working on something together and just making it a well-oiled machine and the the bonding that you go through with film it's wonderful and great and sometimes you can make really good friends but it's usually okay this is your part go in okay everything's set up do it okay good now go go to your go change and come back and do it again go all right now cry <laughs> so it's like ah. whereas theater it's like all right let's go together it's like a, a hike 
you know, up a very, very steep mountain <laughs> with lots of rocks. But then when you get there, then you go downhill together and it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's such a great when it works and everything's clicking and there's no crazy egos. It's, it's such a beautiful moment. It's you're creating a family and then you have friends. Usually you have friends for life. I have my wife, I met doing a theater, like a winter screen play festival where author festival and we were cast opposite each other and there was that immediate immediate click when we were in our 20s and then you know 20 years later we got married <laughs> but you you there's some kind of bonding i think that's like no other in theater and i love that and of course i love the audience the immediate reaction of the the gasping and the crying or the laughing or whatever you got so i i enjoy that element Yes, I love all that. Well, now we've arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? My favorite theater memory would be writing and directing and acting in a play that I wrote that is now a published play. It's called She Loves Him, He Loves Her Not. It's a Commedia dell'arte play, so it's very much slapstick Italian comedy. We didn't do it with the masks and everything, but we did We did the style of it. And it was so much fun to direct it and kind of take the, I originally directed it at UCLA. So I wrote it with the intention of giving it to my senior class because we we're all, you know, like, oh, we're we're going to do this something together. And then by the time I wrote it in the end of the year, everyone's like, oh, I got to graduate. I can't do it. So I'm like, ah. so I went to the underclassmen who weren't getting a lot of roles and stuff, but were hungry, so hungry. I'm like, anyone want to be in a play? And just everyone was like, ah, so excited. So we did it. And there was such heart and excitement for it. And Commedia dell'arte is, you know, of the artist. It's comedy of the artist. So each role was dependent on how, what the actor would bring to it. So it was so much fun watching people come out of their shells because a lot of them were very serious. You know, I want to I want to win the Academy Award and I want to get my 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 Tony Award and this and this and they were very serious. But to watch them turn it around and be like, ah, okay, I'm going to do this and fall here and fight a pirate and all this fun stuff. It, that was such, it was wonderful to watch people grow. It was wonderful to see something, people saying words that I wrote. That was amazing. A lot of the professors showed up and were laughing. People that I've never seen laugh before were like, oh, you know, they were really getting it. I got a lot of accolades from Leon Katz, who was this very older writer and and he would come in and he's just so so wise and he loved Commedia d'Arte and he was he was so impressed and just so like, well done. That was really, and I was like, oh, so seeing that accolades from them was, was amazing. So that was untouchable. And then I've also been in a stage version of the Magnificent Seven, which was so much fun. I played Chico, the little, the guy that comes into the, into the group and lots of gunfights and stuff like that. So that was really fun. And yeah, so those were probably my two favorite theater experiences. And then I was Hamlet. That was, of course, <laughs> of course that was amazing so yeah but it's usually the ones that where i'm interacting more hamilton's a lot of soliloquies and a lot of uh, <laughs> doing your own thing you're not but, to be you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's but it's nice to have the the ensemble pieces that really just are like you know cogs in a wheel where everyone has to be doing their thing for it to work so so that was fun i love those absolutely love those that's amazing and i love how much support and 
and praise your work, God. And of course, now it's published too. So that's yeah. amazing. It's already been done twice, I think. I'm like, oh, I want to see it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I want to actually take it and 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 put it up at the Maverick Theater or somewhere, any theater, and like record it so that I can see, so I can show people, look, look, there's a play. It's got like, you know, 10 people in it. So you can, you know, it's good for high schools. It depends on the actors too. It can be, it can be body or it can be like, you know, very straight and silly and cartoony. And, you know, it depends on who you get and what your, who your audience is. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those memories. Those are amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Do you have any projects or productions coming up that we might be able to plug for you? At Maverick Theater, I'm going to be playing Ben in Night of the Living Dead. So the lead character. So that'll be fun. It's such a great Halloween show. They do it every year. It's been going on for, I think, 17 or 18 years. And it's a staple of, of Fullerton where people just know all about it. And I'm I'm going to be playing Ben, who I forget who played him originally, but he's like the one of the lone survivors at the end and it's just so much fun the best thing about it is the zombies because you have maybe about 10 people playing about 50 zombies so they'll come in oh they're dressed as like a waitress and they get shot bleh and then they go off stage and they come back they do a complete costume change and come in as like you know the cheerleader or the doctor or the hillbilly or whatever so it's so much fun watching them and doing i love doing like stage combat and fighting and and action stuff like that so that's fun to to kill zombies so living the dream <laughs> any word about book two yet with the crossbow i have i have so many concepts of where it can go i i think it may be following one of the characters monty mm-hmm. that one it might be kind of his arc of what he's going through because i had such a great time writing him because he was a mute and but he had so much going on behind him and just what was you know just kind of what was going on in his head i thought he was a really great character i kind of like the yvonne's characters where it ends with her so i might be following and going into more of the human trafficking aspect of that and following because monty was more of like the the jason or freddy krueger michael myers kind of character when i originally wrote the screenplay so it'd be interesting to kind of see where he goes because you know usually they just come out kill and that's it but i want to kind of see where he's going so that's where it, it most likely will go i've got like a concept of it in my head and on some papers lots of note papers so so we'll see where that goes but i want to see how this book does first if people actually want to read a sequel or something so <laughs> we'll so see we will have to wait with bated breath for book two which is fine which is fine <laughs> i appreciate your 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 enthusiasm and and just your kindness with your compliments for the script our book so thank you I appreciate oh no, it. It, believe me it's it's all our our pleasure because seriously the book is is so good i can't say that enough well thank you thank you and that leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Crossbow Creek or about you, perhaps okay. they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? My website is andrewpinonauthor.net. You can also reach me at andrewpinonauthor at gmail.com. You can find my book on Amazon. I think it's free under Kindle Unlimited right now. And you can find my screen, my Stage place, uh, she loves him, he loves her not at stagescripts.com or .org. I think it's .com, but stage scripts LLC, you can Google that. 
Well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me, to share this incredible book and just everything else that you've been doing and you're up to. This has been amazing. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Andrew. I'm very happy to have been here. I love the show and I look forward to many, many more podcasts. Yes. Thank you so much for your kind words. And we can't wait to have you back, whether it be for your great play or hopefully book two. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you. That inspires me to write more. Yes. My guest today has been the author, Andrew Pinion, whose book, Crossbow Creek, book one, Dead Bridesmaids, is now available on Amazon.com. Hurry over there right now. Go get it. You are not going to regret this. It's such a good book. You will not be able to put it down. And if you have any disagreement with that, you come to me, you talk to me. We'll figure this out (laughs) because I'll tell you how you're wrong in eight different ways. But this book is absolutely incredible. It's a great thriller. It's a wonderful roller coaster of a ride that you will not see the turns coming left and right. So head to amazon.com right now and get your copy of Crossbow Creek, book one, Dead Bridesmaid. You can also get more information about Andrew and all the works he's done by visiting andrewpinionauthor.net or send him an email at andrewpinionauthor at gmail.com. We're going to have all of this contact information listed on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But for the last time, Crossbow Creek, book one, Dead Bridesmaids, is available on Amazon.com. Pick up your copy today and then tell us and Andrew what you think. And hopefully book two will be coming out soon. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. The lights of old Broadway.